Good morning, everyone, and welcome to worship at the United Methodist Church, Westlake Village. We are so glad that you have decided to worship with us on March 13th. It's the second Sunday of Lent, and welcome another step deeper into this process of preparing yourself for Easter. We are worshiping online and in person now, and this will be our standard practice uh, hereafter, so we are glad that you are joining us online, and we are glad that you are joining us in person. We are following the, uh, the state and county directives, which allow us not to wear masks if we do not want to wear masks, but to wear masks if you want to wear masks. And um, so that is your choice. It's recommended that you do wear masks if you're inside with a bunch of people who look like they might be, well, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure what word to use about those kind of people that you might be with inside. But um, here in the church, you are welcome to be masked or unmasked. What we do ask of you is to have a sensitivity to your neighbor, and that is to uh, be sensitive of what they might be feeling is proper for them with their health safety protocols. So, so keep yourself a little bit at a distance, I think is the right thing to do until you know that the person that you're about to hug wants to be hugged um, and wants to have that kind of close intimacy with you. Uh, you know, maybe they don't. They might not. They might think that you are one of those characters. Um, but they might be hungering for a hug, right? So just kind of Play it by ear and just see what's appropriate. We don't want to make somebody feel uncomfortable and push somebody beyond uh, their level of uh, sense of health safety at this stage of where we are in the pandemic. Some of us will remain vulnerable people for, for many, many months. And some of us are just feeling so liberated to be back um, without a mask. And so, um, again, do the neighborly thing towards your neighbor. These flowers here in the middle are thanks to the uh, Jackson Lewis family, thanks to Karee for celebrating Preston's birthday uh, today and giving us the flowers. I see we've got the Ukraine flowers still with us, right? Thank you for that, for that uh, beautiful call to attention of prayer and caring for brothers and sisters of ours in the Ukraine. We had uh, Caneo Connect Wednesday night at St. Matthew's. It was a fun event. Starts at 5.30. Dinner's free. Join us. We're done by 7.15, and so you're able to get home for the kids to get to bed without uh, too much delay. It's intergenerational, so old-timers and young-timers are welcome to come. We're looking at qualities of discipleship. Uh, today, if you show up at 3 to 3.30, there will be people here who will be glad to take your donations for manna. Um, if that's something that you're supporting, please uh, be reminded that today's the day for that. And Bowls of Hope uh, is next weekend. We didn't have that the last year or two, but it's, it's back um, a, a project of uh, many mansions. And it will be happening at Cal Lutheran. You can see it up there on the screen, or you can go to our website to get more information on that. 
having a quick book study as just a supplement to our Lenten Bible study, a book study starting on Thursday. It starts this week. We're looking at this time period between Jesus and the birth of Christianity. It's, it's a very interesting study. You can see about it on the screen. You can go to our website and get the information for registering for the class, and our office will send you the Zoom link so that you can do it. We're getting back on campus, kind of, right? Tentative steps back onto campus, and as we do that, we're, we're starting to... Um, gear up some of the other things that are a part of hospitality on campus, at least for on Sundays. And that would be uh, the hospitality committee's work of, of helping to make you feel welcome and to make the time here on campus comfortable. Uh, ushers as well are being uh, retrieved, is the word to say, seeing if we still have any hanging out around our uh, community that want to be ushers. Um, for the ushers, from the ushers' point of view, we're looking for someone to greet people as they come to the door and then someone to be here in the sanctuary and stop people from fighting. <laughs> we're, we're, we don't want any fights going on in the sanctuary. So we'll have one patrolling the sanctuary inside to make sure nobody uh, comes unglued about anything. How to sit, how to be nice, how to, you know, how to do church again. Remember, we haven't done it for a while. So there'll be an usher in here that will remind you of the decorum of worship. And there'll be an usher at the door that will welcome you because we're glad that you're here. So uh, if that sounds like something you might want to do, please let John Dockin know or call the church office because we're, we're looking to, to get some things back in gear. Today we continue with our Lenten sermon series that focuses on the characteristics of Jesus, why people are drawn to Jesus why they may even decide to center their lives on Jesus, or even go so far as to say, I love that guy. I want Jesus as a part of my life. As we do this sermon series, we'll be, we'll be looking at, at places in Scripture where something like that happens um, because of how Jesus presents himself, because of his characteristics, the role, the way Jesus is manifested. Maybe that particular thing about Jesus is what attracts you. And so we're going to be looking at these different ways Jesus is presented, ways he gets our attention and perhaps garners our affection. Today we're looking at Jesus as the preacher and teacher. So let's dig in and enjoy the presence of one another and the presence of the living God in our lives. Let us worship. Lord, be with us in this Embody your spirit as we join in our call to worship. Brothers and sisters, let us worship God and celebrate another day of life abundant in the spirit. Glory be to God. Praise and glory be unto God. Whatever the challenges of life, we walk with God, strengthened by the spirit. Let us draw close to God, learn the ways of the Lord, and live wisely and well. 
Holy God, we pray for your presence and strength as we start our journey towards the cross and the tomb, the sunrise of Easter. May we look well within, and with your Spirit's assist, may we experience in our worship your presence and power, your wisdom and grace, beckoning us towards the life you envision for us. Help us discern that goal and reach it. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Good morning. Now's the time in worship where I have the opportunity to talk to the children of our church. And it might be a good thing that Mark's hiding behind the camera today. We'll see. We'll see. Today I wanted to talk to you guys about prayer. Now who can tell me what prayer we usually say at the end of children's time? The Rachel prayer. All right. That's what Pastor Walt calls it. I call it our, our children's prayer, and I do it on a regular basis every Sunday, so it's something that you might be able to turn to when you need to talk to God. Ultimately, a prayer is a conversation with God, where we take the time to tell God what's on our heart, and then we pause to see if God has anything to say to us. And there's really three or four parts of our prayers, typically. We, we greet God, we say, dear God, and then we thank God. There's a series of things that we thank God for. Do you guys know what we thank God for every week? Mark. Today, tomorrow, and every yesterday. Thank you. And then we ask God for something usually. But I skip something that if we look at the Lord's Prayer, is something that we do in the Lord's Prayer as well. It's where we admit when we've made mistakes. So there's a point in prayer where we say to God, Lord, I am so sorry for all of the things that I've done wrong. And if you're going to be really honest, then you name all of the things that you've done wrong. <laughs> and as one of our adults just proved, that's really hard to do because she laughed at me. And then we ask for God for help whether it's to do something that we feel called to do or to help us be better than we were yesterday. And those are really the four parts of prayer that we try to incorporate all the time. We greet God, we thank God, we admit when we've done wrong, and we ask God for help. All right? So this is one of the things that you can do as you prepare for Easter is to take time every day to talk to God. So whether it's the prayer that I lead every Sunday or it's the prayer that, you, that touches your heart. And I know I said this last week, but I didn't send an email out asking you to or reminding you that I made this request. But if you have a prayer that's your favorite, if you could talk to your parents about possibly recording it and sending it to me, I'd love to share it with our congregation. So 
think about that, and I will work really hard, parents, to send you an email, and this is my mental email right now, sending it to you, asking for the prayer. So hopefully that mental email will help me send out the real email as well. All right, will you guys join me as we talk to God? Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for tomorrow. And thank you for all of our yesterdays. Forgive us when we make mistakes, like when Pastor Rachel forgets to send emails. Help us to become stronger in our walk with you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, kiddos that are here, feel free to head off to Sunday school. Awesome and almighty God, we greet you this day with praise and thanksgiving for the variety of ways in which we can experience your love and grace. Be with us as we gather here in worship, whether in person or online, or in the many other ways in which we can praise you and give thanks for your creation. Be with us that we feel your presence, we seek your guidance, and we live into your will. We thank you so much for sending your son to live among us, to be just like us, and to be our teacher and prophet. Help us to sit at his feet, to listen to his words, and to discern how his message touches our lives and invites us to be in better relationship with you. Be with us as we make this Lenten journey, that we continue to see the ways in which you are opening new doors to us so that we might step further into faith and see the ways in which our relationship with you truly can be stronger. Be with the places in our lives where there's pain and heartache, where there's fear, where there's anxiety, and help us to see the ways where you are offering a balm or a salve so that we might have the healing that we need. Be with us in the places and moments of joy and celebration that we might see how you celebrate with us, bringing us even more happiness and elation to the events of our lives that truly are spectacular. This day, O oh Lord, we lift up prayers for these following people and situations. 
We lift up prayers for Esther Mayer, who is having heart issues at this time. Be with Esther and her doctors as they discern the best course of treatment for her and figure out how to restore her to health. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. We lift up prayers for Ann Berry, who has stage two breast cancer, and after having one mastectomy, needs to have the second mastectomy. Be with her in her process of healing, in her time off work, that she might feel closer to you and feel a renewed spirit and the gift of your love. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We lift up prayers for Jim Lawson as he continues to recover from his hip replacement surgery. We know that you are with him and we ask you to be with Jim and his family for all of the various things that are going on in their lives. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We lift up prayers for Jonna Morton, who used to be active in the Crafty Ladies. Be with Jonna's family as they mourn her passing on Wednesday. Let them know your comfort and welcome Jonna into your loving arms. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. We lift up prayers for the Furness family as we mourn the passing of Gary on uh, yesterday. Be with Kathy and the family that they continue to feel your presence, know the love and support of their church community, and know that you are with them. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. We lift up prayers for Ukraine and all of the places in the world that are experiencing wars and conflict and disputes over leadership. Offer wisdom, offer healing, or soften hardened hearts, bring resolution and peace to these areas. For those that are in the midst of these conflicts, give them the courage and the stamina they need to stand up for what's right and help us to advocate in the ways that we can. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. We come to you this day not just with concerns, but with celebrations as well. We celebrate that Mike Hilliard is recovering from surgery and received a good report from his doctors. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. We celebrate that Abby Fenton is doing well after her hip replacement surgery and gives thanks for her church family. O oh Lord, Hear our prayers, and we celebrate this day that Russ Stone is feeling well enough to be with us in worship. Thank you for his healing, thank you for his life, and thank you for the ways in which you radiate your love through him. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We take, oh, and we have one more joy. We celebrate with Peggy Donovan and family the arrival of another grandbaby. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We take a moment this day to come to you in silence, lifting up the prayers of our hearts. Lord, hear our prayers. Lord, you know what's going on in our lives, sometimes even better than we do. We ask you to be present in all of the places where we need your wisdom and direction this day. And we pray all of this saying the prayer that your son taught us. Our Father, 
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. choir. You know, we've had the pleasure of hearing the choir for the last couple years, thanks to our, our tech team and the work that uh, Gloria has done with our files of pre-recorded choir performances. And so if you've been worshiping with us online, you've heard the choir pretty often over the last two years. But boy, is it great to have them live, unmasked and live. 
it's really, it's really kind of cool. It, it's, it helps with the worship experience to, to be together in person and to have uh, the singing of praise songs or thoughtful meditative songs in person. So some years ago, I stumbled upon a movie called Jolene. And, you know, you just want to say it in a certain way, don't you? Um, it was about this, about this young woman, Jolene, growing into adulthood against the odds. And she marries, I forget exactly how it turns out that she marries this guy, but she marries a self-righteous, self-entitled, wealthy kid. And at first, he's all lovey-dovey, uh, but then he turns abusive. And through his power, because of his position, he di- he's able to divorce her and keep their baby. Now, as I watched this, I just got more and more angry about what I was watching. And one of the things, <laughs> among a number of things, that disturbed me was that this character was portrayed as Christian. And it just seemed like a cheap shot. Um, uh, Not the PR that the faith deserved or that I wanted for our faith. Yet, we all know, don't we? We all know that that caricature of a Christian who's duplicious or hypocritical, that kind of caricature has some, carries some water because there are circumstances where we Christians are not our best, where we don't live up to how we're supposed to be. We all know that caricature has some basis in truth that we should be sensitive about, I guess, maybe during this season of Lent. It's not enough to say, Jesus, 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 and then go off and do whatever it is you want to do for whatever it is you want to do it. Nor is it good to keep asking for forgiveness over and over again while we continue a pattern of dysfunction that we know is dysfunctional. There are some rightful expectations about behaviors. And we pick them up by going to school with Jesus. You got to learn your lessons well and put them to work in your life and change for the better. Grow into your better self. The God-man that we spoke about last week has something to say to you. In fact, he has a lot to say to you. Interesting thing is, even, even folk who don't think Jesus is the Christ think he has some good things to say and see him at least as a, as a sage rabbi. As we trace Jesus' various identities this Lent and ponder the, 
the motivation and rationale for our love of him, surely one of the dominant roles he played was a preacher and teacher. And one of the best qualities or characteristics was his wisdom. Let's take a look at that today. Today's scripture marks the launching of his ministry. Jesus gives a sermon to his hometown crowd. I want to invite Don up here. I was trying to do it with my eyes in a little unobvious way, but it was unobvious that I was doing that. So Don, would you come on up and share with us our scripture reading for today? The scripture today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Now at first the crowd was impressed. They were, they were kind of awed and, and complimentary of Jesus. But then it turned sour. They got a little sour about it. And they decided to run him out of town. They got that upset with him when they started to think about the implications of what he was really saying. They thought the carpenter's son was a little bit mm, over the top, blaspheming to say God's word was being fulfilled in their hearing through him. Now, it seems they were wrong. And he was right. Listen and learn from Jesus. Jesus quotes Isaiah as a source text for his ministry, and we see in his, his quote frequent references to the preaching and the teaching ministry. Communicating the word of God was central to Jesus' ministry. The core message of Jesus' preaching is remembered in the Gospels as the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Yale Divinity Professor Leander Keck notes in his book, Who is Jesus? History in Perfect Tense. Jesus' call to repentance was not so much a turning from as a turning to, a turning one's life towards the impinging reign of God. It was a call to the adopting of those kingdom values of compassion and justice, a living into the kingdom identity of being a servant and a bearer of grace, a walking 
of what the subsequent Jesus movement first called the way. Listen and learn is the best posture to take towards Jesus. And then turn and grow towards God's intentions. Practice it. Put it to work. How do we pay justice to Jesus' message, what he teaches us? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of inclined to think that sometimes we ought to have a sermon season, uh, a, a series, just on Jesus' lessons. What are the highlights? What are come some of the main things that Jesus taught? I think that might be a good idea. It happens every Sunday. We're doing this, right? But perhaps if we just brought it all together and listed out 20 things, printed it up, handed it out, and maybe that would be a help. You know, get, get down to the basics, right? Kind of boil it down to one sentence here, one sentence there. We'll, th we'll think about that. Maybe we'll do something like that. You would think we would want to take a serious look at what Jesus said, don't you think? That we'd want to kind of listen and learn well so that we put what he taught to work in our lives. Marcus Blog writes, Jesus used the classical forms of wisdom, parables and aphorisms, and taught the classical subject matter of wisdom. What is God like? What life is like? And the way to do life, the way. And true as that is, I got to, I've just got to say that to me, Jesus broke the mold of wisdom teacher. It no longer was a, an academic exercise or a philosophical meandering around concepts. It was personal. And it was universal. Jesus pointed to cosmic truths and bore life-transforming consequences at the daily level for all of us. And I frankly love Jesus for this. This sharing of wisdom that makes a difference in real human lives, in my life, in your lives. So listen and learn and put to life. So a quick survey of examples of Jesus' teachings. Well, I guess you would say maybe the, the, the best examples of those are the sermons we have of his, the, the collected big pronouncements of Jesus where he just talked on and on for a little while, right? The Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Plain. Sermon on the Mount and Sermon on the Plain? There's two sermons like that? Yes, there are. Matthew and then Luke. Check them out. And then there's the thing called the Farewell Discourses in John, which is 
John's version of the collecting of Jesus' sermons. Good stuff. John 13, take a look. Goes on for like three or four chapters. Jesus talks in aphorisms a lot, short, clever little phrases. Let the dead bury their own dead. What does he mean by that? You cannot serve God and mammon. Well, we kind of understand that a little better. Do to others as you would have them do unto you. The tree is known by its fruits. Love your enemies. Do not judge and you will not be judged. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. These are examples of teachings in short little pithy phrases. He also taught in parables. A lot of his lessons are brought forward to us through parables. Short parables like the lost coin, the pearl of great price, and the mustard seed. We talked about that a little while ago, didn't we? Mid-sized parables, you know, like cars. He's got small ones, mid-sized, and big ones. The lost sheep, the sower, the two sons. The two sons. Hey, I'll go out and work in the field for you, Dad. And I mean, he doesn't go, right? Some of you have sons like that. And the other son, oh, I don't want to do that. And then he does do it. And then there's the longer parables. And I listed that one out because one of the longer parables is the prodigal son. And there's two sons in that. But that's a different parable, isn't it? The prodigal son. The talents. The parable of the wedding banquet and the, the good Samaritan. Rachel and I preached on kingdom parables a year or so ago. Jesus' stories really don't have an end to them. Like the, the parable of the prodigal son. Well, and these other parables. And I say that because these parables draw you in and actually invite you or demand of you to resolve the story yourself as to what ought to happen or what did happen or where would it be that I would happen in the story. Does the prodigal son go straight hereafter and all is well? Does he backslide? What happens then? Does the older brother kind of lighten up a little and, and celebrate and find grace even for himself. Mr. Rules and I do everything right kind of person. Or does he become a little bit more passive aggressive and try to undercut other things that are happening in the family as the next month and year unfolds? What do you think? Where are you in the story? How does it end for you in the story? Bishop Willimon writes, speaking of this parable, I'm betting that the one whom the father is awaiting, the one who he is begging to come in and celebrate, is you. This story says, you journey not alone. 
There is one who names you, claims you, has plans for you, and waits and prods, invites or blesses you. This one, sooner or later, will have you. Do you see that in this parable? This is the parable, this is the power of the parable as a teaching tool, drawing you in and getting you to process it for yourself. Teach me, Jesus. Teach me, Jesus. I want to learn. I love Jesus for this kind of stuff. He illumines the mess of life with some clear insight that sets things straight. So hear what Jesus is saying. Dig in. Take it seriously. It can make a world of difference. It can actually change the world. It changed the Roman Empire. In a strange way, it brought the Renaissance out of the medieval ages. Remember that Nordic United Methodist Church bishop I quoted last Sunday? Remember how I, I mentioned him? He was talking about the logic of the gospel, remember? Imagine, imagine if the logic of the gospel actually, actually was embraced by so many people, everybody decided to embrace it, that the logic of geopolitical power was weakened, marginalized, discredited, dismissed, discarded. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? It really seems silly for me to say, we need an usher here in the sanctuary to make sure we don't fight one another. Why was that so stupid? Because we know better. We know that's not what you do when you're living as brothers and sisters in God's presence. Well, that is the world. That is the whole world. The world is God's church. And we all are brothers and sisters. And it's absurd that we would think we could get ahead by killing each other. It's absurd. Imagine the logic of the gospel was actually claimed by all of us who said we were Christian.
It would be world-changing. It could change the empires of today like it changed the Roman Empire. Imagine. Jesus invites you to imagine that what he has to say may be worthwhile listening to and putting to work in your life. Listen and learn. Amen. As we listen and learn the words or learn from the words of Jesus, we evaluate, we process, we discern how God is calling us to respond to the lessons that are placed before us. And then our response are acts of praise and thanksgiving. As we contemplate how we might respond to God's gifts and how we might give in return, I ask you to turn your attention back to Pastor Walt for just a moment as he shares this month's mission moment. You know, it was a long-standing tradition in communities like ours that the local church was a place that, that someone in need could be helped. As social safety nets became more common and more effective, this tradition changed somewhat. The church became more of a, a referral place than a dispenser of aid. Nevertheless, you know, prior to the pandemic, as recently as that, a couple people per day, it would seem like a couple people per day, would stop by the office door asking for assistance. And, you know, sometimes there their stories were, were so compelling to Rachel or I, we would violate our rule of not handing out money and do just that. It seemed to us like the right compassionate thing to do. More recently, during the pandemic, we had an occasion to respond to a particular person's need in a way that was significant. We helped a, a single mom stay housed. And again, it, it felt like the right thing to do, a way to supplement what local agencies could not fully accomplish to help carry the day for the family. Now, funds that Pastor Rachel and I would use in this type of ministry to those in need beyond the, the membership of our congregation, well, they're now gone. We've used them up. And sharing that situation with the missions committee, that committee decided to launch a new special fund called the Community Care Fund. 
to gather money that we clergy could dispense as we discerned appropriate to help needy folk that came to our door. So this new fund, this community care fund, is our mission of the month, and we're going to have that month to stretch out a little bit and go all the way to Easter. So for the next six weeks, you're invited to uh, think and pray about this fund as a place where you might uh, allocate some of your generosity. The mission committee initiated this fund with a gift out of out of their budget, a grant of $1,000. And with Pastor Rachel and, and my full support, they call on our members to adopt a Lenten discipline of some kind of personal thrift. You decide how you might go about it that can be turned into a generous gift to this new fund. The Community Care Fund will help members of the community in need. It will translate our compassion into helpful action and steady their lives. So please, give generously this Lent if you are able to our new Community Care Fund. Let us pray. Awesome and almighty God, 
we ask you to transform our lives from the inside out as we discern your will, as we listen to your word, and we learn from your parables. Be with us that we might continue to offer praise to you through the gifts that we give and the ways in which we live our lives. In your name we pray, amen. I invite you to rise as we join in our closing hymn. this service has been a blessing to you. You know, Jesus is a bearer of wisdom and truth, even unto this day, these modern days, our day. You just got to love Jesus for this. Listen and learn, and set a course for a better life that follows in the way of the Lord. Be safe, stay healthy, know that you are loved. Amen.